thank Kenny for sharing. He had one thought that he brought out that as the world gets darker, the light should shine brighter. And we do live in a dark world, and it seems like it's getting darker. So is our light shining brighter? I was reminded yesterday, I had bought a scooter for my grandchildren to play when they come. Um, When you have a lot of little ones, it seems like they all want to fight over one toy, so you got to get multiple ones. And anyways, Emily was pushing it, and I didn't think anything about it. You know, she was enjoying it. But she went out with me to do chores, and it's kind of darker in the shed. And I noticed the light on the wheels would light up. And I thought, well, I never knew that. You know, with them playing during the day, you never noticed it. So then last night, um, it was toward dark. And anyway, so she went out and pushed it, and they, they light up nice. So when the world is darker, the light shines brighter. And sometimes when the world is light, when things are going good, we as Christians don't light up like we should. Well, if you probably know, today is Father's Day. And I feel kind of awkward talking about fathers. You know, encouraging you as fathers to fulfill your role. I have um, probably in my studies thought about my my life as a father, and my children probably could look at some of the things that I'll share and say, "Well, Dad." <laughs> so yes, I do um, try to be a good father, and I know all of us. You know, my dad did the best he could. I did the best I could, and now you sons can be the best you can in being a good father to your parents, uh, to your children. So I'd just like to encourage you in this way. If you look up the definition of a father, it means to be responsible for producing a child. Now, I don't want to get into a lot of details, but you are responsible for that child that's sitting on your lap or beside you or across the the aisleway, maybe. But you're responsible. That is part of you and part of your wife coming together and, and producing this child. So a lot of the physical traits that this child has, you can see dad or grandpa or you can see or dad, or you can see mom, or grandpa and grandma, or, you know, sometimes, you know, if I look at my brother from the back, I say, there's grandpa, because I remember grandpa looking that way, and so some of the traits is passed on. But Really, who is responsible? Whose child is this? You know, I think of, we have a tendency to maybe want to think, these are our children, and so I'm going to bring them up the way I want them to be brought up. 
I'm responsible for them, and I'm going to, I'm going to mold them to be like me. And we have that tendency maybe to be a little more harsh because we don't want other people to think negative of us. So we want to, them to, to represent someone that we have an ideal. Maybe we haven't even met ourselves, but we have the ideal. And so we want them and we want to mold them to be like our ideal instead of to be like us. And I'll get into that a little bit later, but, you know, our, our life is centered around children. And, you know, not everyone can have children. I, I understand that. Some choose to adopt and, and so on. But our life is is kind of geared around that. And, you know, we raise our children, and the next thing you know, they're starting children. Or they're starting their family and having children. And the cycle goes on. And it has gone on since the day one. And then I would like to end with the message kind of gearing toward that so you can kind of see the correlation of the father-son, father-child, I mean, and the father figure that we have as being the child of God. So in Genesis chapter 33, verse 5, I'm going to read just a couple verses here and there, so if you want to listen, that's fine. Genesis 33, 5 says, And he lifted up his eyes and saw the children, uh, the women and the children, and said, Whose are these with the, Who are those with thee? And he said, the children which God hath graciously given me. Now this is the story of Esau asking Jacob, you know, whose children are these that are behind you? And he says, these are the children which God hath graciously given thy servant. And then if I jump over to Psalms chapter 127, which probably most of you know what it says. But lo, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So the children that you have is, with these two verses, they're not yours. Now I can, I know you're probably thinking, but they look like me. They have my traits. They have my wife's traits. They look like my grandpa my grandma. But the children have been given to you as a gift. In Psalms 127, it says to inherit a heritage. So God has basically given you this child and says, now I want you to take care of it. And when you... um, Think about it in that way. It gives you quite a responsibility as a father. And I know, and I've never experienced it, but, um, you know, when God takes a child away from you at a young age, maybe they're young or even older, you know, it, it does pull at your heart. But whose are they? Are they ours? You know, maybe... Um, Maybe I would look at it differently, but I, I do feel like these are God's children, and we need to 
do the best we can in, in raising them. But I, like I said, I want to get into that here in a little bit. But anyways, God has given us the stewardship of these children that you have on your bench or on your lap or maybe on your couch sitting beside you at home. But you're responsible. They're kind of on loan. And here you are. Take care of them. And that's quite a responsibility. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Ephesians 6, this is here, it's kind of instruction how um, of family ties as far as what you children ought to obey. But I like, there's a part here I want to talk about. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So we know that a child, when it says children obey, that is what God has given to you. So you are part of your, your dad and mom. It says, obey your parents, for this is right. And then it says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So if you look at that word, honor, honor your father, is to fix a value on. Like, you don't just say, yeah, I appreciate my father. But it's, it's putting your father into a, a position of high value. Like, looking at everything I have in life comes from my dad, and it does. Or some with your mother's characteristics, but we're talking about fathers. But, you know, everything you have, you know, you're here in the church, you, you're a Christian or, or wherever it may be, you have your father to uh, owe it to. And so it's a high value that you should put on your father. And it's not, you know, if your father prospered and financially rewarded you with a farm. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about value those things that the, your children have given, uh, your fathers have given to you as a child, and and molding you to be like Christ. And the value of that sometimes is not picked up in life until your father's gone. Um, a young child usually has no problem looking up to his dad. You know, dad can do anything. Um, a young child, when it gets in trouble, or run run to his dad, or if he something toys breaks, he says, "Here, dad can fix it, and take it to the, your dad to fix it." So, a young child has no problem with value, and but as we get older, we start seeing maybe less honor. And a lot of that is the, parent, the child starts noticing failures in his father. And he sees his father's faults. And sometimes he gets hurt by the things that his father maybe has said, or maybe treated roughly, or maybe spanked wrongfully. But you as 
and I can talk maybe to those who aren't, who are still at home with their fathers. Um, look beyond their faults. I was <clears throat> thinking about this. Um, I think sometimes um, we look maybe at our parents' faults and saying, you know, that, well, dad did this and dad did that. And I think maybe we as children or as a teenager or grown adult may have the same characteristics that our father has. So here we are angry with dad when we ourselves treat others the same way. So let's look beyond your dad's failures. And if you notice something, then change it in your life. And I think that's, um, I mean, that's kind of what I did when I started a young family. And I see my uh, children that are married with, with little ones, you know, the way they raise their children is different than what I would have done. But that's okay. You know, that's how we, um, yeah, that's, that's okay. So we need, as parents, well, we'll get into that. But I think sometimes we carry a lot of hurt toward our, our dads because of what they've done and because of the faults that they have. And sometimes maybe we carry that same trait. I want to go to Genesis 33 and, no, Genesis 18. And this is coming in where the angels were looking down or visiting with Abraham and anyways, the question was asked, or the Lord thought, maybe. He says, shall I hide this thing from Abraham that I'm going to do? So the Lord was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was there with Abraham, and Abraham, or the question was asked whether he should hide it from him. But I like verse 18. The reason, well, verse 17, the Lord said, I shall hide from Abraham that thing which I do. Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And verse 19, for I know him that he should command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, and to do justice, judgment, that the Lord may bring unto Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Would the Lord say the same thing about me, about you? Knowing that I will command my children to follow God. And that word command speaks of instruction. So in other words, the Lord knew that Abraham would instruct his children to follow God. And I would hope that all of us would have that same, same desire. <clears throat> Since children are from God and given 
loaned to us, we should be like Abraham and teach the ways of God like Abraham did. And I know if you look at Abraham's life, you may point out a few uh, descendants that maybe didn't follow God the way they should have, but they were instructed. And, you know, if you look at the, the Jewish nation, you know, even though they may not be accepted Christ, they do reverence God highly. And if you look at the Abraham's other descendants, you know, they, they serve God too. Even though it's, it's not for the right, the right God. But since children come into this world with the sin nature, how are we going to teach them the ways of God? What is our responsibility? Um, I just have a few things, I think just three things that I wanted to bring out that I would see necessary, especially after coming to this stage in my life, looking back. And lots of times our hindsight hindsight is better than our foresight. Um, the first thing I would like to share this morning is set boundaries in your home. Um, the children come with a sin nature. I didn't teach my children to do wrong. They just it it was just natural. But I have to teach them to do good. So I need to set some kind of direction in their life that I'm or in my home that I'm not going to allow certain things. And a couple things I had written down was like honesty. You know, in my home, I want honesty. I want the truth. I want generosity. I want you to share with your with your sisters and your brothers the toys be kind be kind to your siblings at home sharing and so on and I think all these things should be based on the part of have a love for your brothers and sisters and then that should starting with that at home, should carry on then into the church. And, and as they go to their cousin's place, they're going to naturally start doing that because you're teaching them. You have set the boundaries in your home, and lots of times the children will follow through with that in their life later on in life. So... We need to set up some kind of a boundaries. I know some of us, um, or I hear some of you, you know, say, okay, you can go down this sidewalk, but you have to stop here. Or you can go down the road, but you can only go to this point. Or you can... You know, go to your friends and you can visit, but you can't stay overnight and so on. You, you're setting up boundaries in your home for your children to follow. 
But that, those boundaries should be pointed to helping our children to do good. That should be our ultimate desire is to have them understand that God is good and everything in God is, is right, but we need to train to do that. You know, the whole characteristic of God is these things, uh, kindness, honesty, loving, generous. That's all part of God's character. But coming in as a sin nature, we have to train our children to be like God. So how does that happen? I mean, you can talk and you can talk to your children, but sometimes you just can't get through. So what do we do? Well, I'm going to use a verse. I think the world would reject but I think it's, it's biblical, and if it's in the Bible, I think we should re- um, yeah, we should do as it says. <laughs> uh, Proverbs 29:15 says, "The rod and reproof give wisdom." So what gives wisdom? Well, everybody knows what a rod is and what we use it for. It isn't something you just poke them with, but it's something you you spank them with. And then reproof is correcting, and that's verbally. So it's very important that you correct verbally, encourage them, but also there are times when we need to use the rod. And I think the reason why the world is reacted to that is because we have way too many fathers who have misused the item of the rod. <clears throat> you know, the whole form of discipline is to teach a respect and fear of obeying God. It's not used to bring fear to me. But it's used to bring a respect and fear of God, of obeying God. So when we use discipline, we have to sit down with them and say, okay, the reason I told you is because I feel as a, as a child of God, I need to do, we need to do this. And you disobeyed, now we need to have consequences for that, because if we don't, you know, they're going to say, oh, well, I'll get away with it. You know, I can, I can, um, well, some people say, well, I can get spanked. I'll just not cry. And I know I <clears throat> probably had to replace a lot of wooden spoons in my lifetime. But sometimes there, there's a part of the child, and, and you know your child better than I do, so I can't tell you how to discipline them. You have to come to a point in life where you, some you have to be harsher and some you don't need to be, but you still need to do it. I mean, it's so important because if you don't, there are consequences. It says, the verse goes on, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And I think it's, um, there's verses that talk about being a bastard. And I think it also gives father a lot of grief too. 
Another area I'd like to encourage you on is to teach. And you say, well, that's what I, you know, what do you mean by that? Just teach. But teach is what I'm saying is teach, be with them. Spend time with them. Work with them. You know, you teach them how to walk. You spend time with them, and you know how you do it. You teach how to ride bike. You teach them how to read. They ask a lot of questions in your life. You know, when you're doing stuff, oh, why are you doing that? And, and so on. You answer you know, sometimes you can come irritated and says, would you please stop asking questions? But that's how they learn. It's a time of teaching, but to teach, you have to be with them. And sometimes to teach, you need to work along beside them and show them how to do it. We have a lot of teaching opportunities all our life. It seems like the whole life is centered around teaching our children. You know, basically as they get older, your life skills and how they manage their money and how to look at life properly, see life, see the Christian life, worldview of, of life. And we've got to teach them what is the Christian worldview of life. You know, why, why do we choose the things we choose? Why we don't go out and riot and why do we don't... Uh, protests and why we don't vote and so on. We, we've got to teach that. And it's not good enough for a child as they get older to just say, well, that's the way we've always done it. No. We have to have a reason. And I think we need to have a biblical reason. Not just saying, well, God doesn't want us, but that's not good enough. They, they want us lots of times as an older child they want to see in scripture where that is taught. And so our teaching is a continuous lifetime. And then the third thing I'd like to talk about is the need to lead by example. Children, when they're young, want to grow up to be like Daddy. Don't disappoint them. I want to go to Job and give you encouragement on that as far as To lead by example, to live the Christian life and allow them to step out without having to be there to manipulate, if you know what I mean. Okay, this story of Job, chapter 1, first three verses. And there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect, upright, and one that feared God and shewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 7, 000, uh, 3,000 camels, 5,000 yokes of oxen, 5,000 she-asses, and a very great household. So that his, this man was great in all the men of the east. So he could, said, he could have said, my, child, my children have everything they need. And they should be happy. 
but he, he didn't. And his sons, verse 4, went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day, which we would assume is probably on their birthday. They would send, call their three sisters, and they, they would come and they would eat and drink together. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sanctified them, rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned, cursed God and in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. And I think prayer is so important for your children. Why Job wasn't there at the birthday parties, I don't know. But as they were partying, he was praying. And part of the sanctification here is that he was dedicating them to God. So I'm sure he was constantly dedicated, okay, these are yours, God. Um, Protect them. Do we realize our children are so vulnerable to Satan's attacks? Young children are curious. And I can remember the, the many times wanting to try something that you see other people do. You know, it's just a natural thing, I think, that we as children had and still have. Wanting to try, you say it's wrong. Well, they seem like they want to still try it, just to see why why it's wrong. Um, yeah. So they really need our prayers, and as they get older, they really need our prayers even more, because at the teenage years, going into the early twenties, you know, they're starting to form convictions. They're starting to form how they see, how they view life as a Christian. And they're starting to form what is right and what is wrong. And in the process of that, some are making the wrong choices. They need our prayers to be with them. You know, you can sometimes sit down and talk with them, but I think your prayers goes a long ways. And like I said earlier, I think we as we have a father father-child relationship, which you can see. Have you ever thought about our relationship as a child with our heavenly Father? Sometimes we don't connect that part of, you know, a child goes to dad and says, "Dad, can I get this?" And dad says, "Yes or no, or wait or whatever it may be." I want to read a verse in. A couple of verses in Luke 11. Having, a, having God as my father, I think sometimes, yeah, it's just, we, we just don't, at least I do. I, maybe I just need to be honest. I don't grasp sometimes. But I do grasp the idea of a father-son, father-child relationship. Verse 9 of chapter 11 of Luke. It says, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Okay, think of that as a father, father-child. father And if a son shall ask bread of any of you, 
that is a father, will he give him a stone? Think about that. And if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So you see that. If we, if we as being evil, know how to give good gifts, and not, I want to include in this, not just good gifts, but gifts that they they want or that is fit <laughs> you know sometimes your children are kind of out of you know like you ask uh, one of my grandchildren what they would like for his birthday and he said a scooter so his dad didn't go out and buy him a, a electric scooter or something like that you know you you get a gift that is according to what they can handle and I think God does the same thing with us. You know, he gives us, wants to do what's good, but sometimes he only gives us what we think we can handle, or he thinks we can handle. <clears throat> so even in our imperfect conditions, we know how much more can God do for us in that. And I will go to Hebrews chapter 12. And this... These um, words kind of really encouraged me as I meditated on them many times. Hebrews twelve five to 11. Okay, thinking of the father-child and us as ch- children to our father. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. And all of us know what that is, I assume, being chastised by the Lord. Verse 6, And whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? So think about that. The Lord loveth. We chasten our children because we love them. We want them to do what is good. We want them to follow Christ. Well, God wants us also to experience something that he'll share here in a little bit. But whom he loveth, he scourgeth. And if you endure that, if you're able to go strong through that, as with sons, for what he is, whom, for what son is he whom the father chases not? And we all can see families that don't chasten their sons and daughters, and we see where they're at today. But if ye be without chastisement, chastisement whereof all are partakers then are ye bastards and not sons furthermore we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and life 
So we see that a child, we've seen a child, when we spank him and we, we put our arms around him, tell him we love him, there's that um, binding spirit that comes between daddy and child. It's the same way with with our with God is that our Father, which are furthermore we have had fathers who have of our flesh corrected us, and we we gave them our children gave us reverence, so will we reverence God. And I think sometimes we have actually rejected the chastisement, or we see that where people blame it. That's the way God is. I'm out of here. And maybe children even do that to their fathers later on in life. A lot of hurts and so on, so they walk away. But if we, as Christians, are chastised by the Lord, that is for our good. And that brings us into a reverence that we, we can have with him. And then verse 10, For we verily for a few days chasteness, for they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he that are prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastising is, uh, for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. So God is molding us to be partakers of his holiness. That's why I think we train our children to be partakers of our father. And they will follow if you get it. And then along with that, it says, it yieldeth peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that exercise thereby. So it gives us a peace to know that God is with me. God is working in my life. And because of that, he is helping me through that. If you saw the plaque down here, it says, Happy Father's Day. Faithful, which I encourage you to do that. Be an example. Trustworthy. Teacher, leader, and protector. So I would like to you to encourage you that. And as a reminder, you as fathers can pick up a bag of popcorn on your way out. And remember to be that kind of father that God would has been with us. Patient, loving, gentle, forgiving, and sometimes has to spank us. Shall we pray? Dear God, thank you so much for the fathers that we have among us. All of us have have fathers. Some are here with us, some are not. So I just pray, Lord, that you would bless them for their efforts that they have put into our lives. How they have brought us to where we're at today because of their faithfulness. And so we pray as older fathers that we can... Show that faithfulness even to the end so that we can be that example for our sons or our children's children. 
So we pray for each one and give them the strength and the courage to be that father and to spend time with them, like I said, and not only spend time, it's just to get involved and, and show them the real love and real Christian life. So we just pray for each one. Thank you so much for those who are here and who have put a great effort into teaching and bringing their children up and desiring that. I'm grateful for that. So I pray for each one. And we pray, Lord, for your blessing on our fellowship afterwards. Continue to be with that and as far as protecting us from the virus. And I just do pray that you would give each one the spirit of peace and joy through this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.